Just uh, want to remind you of a few things you probably already know uh, today as we, we talk about this subject. It's not going to be anything new. You're not going to walk away thinking like, well, I've never heard that before. Uh, but I think there are some truths that just, for whatever reason, at different times in life, they hit us differently. And uh, I'm hoping that what we talk about through this series will be sort of like that, uh, depending on what's going on in your life, you know, good or bad, uh, that it may hit you in a way that is more relevant, more valuable than, than some of these things have before. Uh, we're going to start off with a Bible verse. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Favor. That sounds good. That sounds positive. I mean, if you've got favor, like if you know somebody, can you do me a favor? You're asking them to do something good for you. If you've found favor with God, I mean, what does that mean? That probably means what, what a nice house, a great job. I mean, everybody's healthy. You've you're, you got a lot of Christmas gifts under the tree. I mean, this is a good thing. And, and if you've noticed, we, we tend to associate God's favor or God's blessing with kind of comfort and ease. Have you ever noticed that? We tend to associate God's blessing with comfort and ease. For instance, if, uh, if you're driving to the store and you get a parking spot right near the front door, you're like, oh, thank you, God. You made this easy for me. Or if you're late for work because your morning routine wasn't, uh, you, know, you slept through an alarm or two and you're kind of rushing a little bit and you get all green lights. Oh, thank you, Lord. We tend to associate God's favor with ease and comfort. And we rarely, if ever, I don't know if we, I mean, if you've ever thought about this, we rarely associate hardship or difficulty with God's favor. Things that, that happen to us that feel bad, we never like think about like, oh, this must be God's favor as well. I mean, when you get bad news on top of bad news on top of bad news, you ever had one of those days or weeks or months or years, right, where it's just bad after bad after bad? Um, not too long ago, I, we were driving around somewhere and our car just died on us, you know. All right, great, have to call the tow truck. We're down to one vehicle. This was when our family had seven people in it. So we're down to a vehicle that fits five people. So we're trying to have to figure out how do you shuttle people everywhere? How do you, you know, navigate? How do you make sure this person gets there, you know, and this person gets there? And I'm driving around some of my kids and our second car dies on us and has to get towed. And you're like, now what do I do, right? It's just like bad news and you can handle some bad news, but then when bad news upon bad news, Bad news upon bad news hits you. Maybe your kid got sick and you're like, okay, you know, this isn't perfect timing. It feels like the kids always get sick on the holidays, but then your kid gets sick and then your, you know, your spouse gets sick and then the other kids get sick and then the dog gets sick and then, you know, you can't go. It's just bad news on bad news on bad news. We never stop and say, thank you for this favor, God. Never once. We don't think of God's favor. We think of God's favor in terms of comfort and ease. We rarely, if ever, associate God's favor with difficulty. But if you are one of those people that likes to read the end of the book first, I'm just going to give you the end of the sermon first, and you can, you can kind of you know, dwell on it if you like. But God often does his best work in our lives through difficulty. God often does his best work in our lives through difficulty. It's not by giving us green lights and spots close to the, the door of the mall. That's not how God does his best work in our lives. It's through difficulty. So Mary has God's favor. Blessed are you among women, Mary. This is all, things are going to be great for you. So what does that mean? Does that mean a bonus at work? I mean, what does this mean? 
And I want you to think about Mary's circumstances from a purely practical point of view. If you were just to take a snapshot of her life in this instant, in this Christmas story, in this nativity scene, and you were just to look at the practical circumstances of, of Mary's life, what, what would you think? Here, here we go. Here's, here's her circumstances. Surprise pregnancy. Got to adjust a little to that one, God, but okay, you know, all right. It's not... Pregnancy doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. It's a little bit of a surprise. I'm not married. Is Joseph going to stick around? Don't worry, he'll stick around. He kind of disappears later on in the story, but I'm sure it's all fine, right? Well, what about uh, right around the due date? You're going to have to go on a trip. 90 miles, three days. And right around the due date, you know, when the doctor says, do not be traveling, you're going to have to go 90 miles, and it's going to take you about three days on the back of a donkey or walking or whatever. We don't know exactly how she got there, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, in an airplane, and right around the due date, you're going to go on this trip. Oh, vacation, that sounds nice. Well, it's for tax purposes, so it's not exactly nice. And when you roll into town, you're not going to find a comfortable place to stay, and you're going to start having contractions. You're going to go into labor, and there's going to be nowhere for you to go. And now you have to give birth, and you're going to have to give birth probably, we don't know all the details of this, but probably where a bunch of animals are typically kept, and the place you're going to put Jesus is in a manger. And as soon as you get Jesus to sleep, you're going to have a bunch of strangers, a bunch of shepherds from the fields who come in to see him. Like, this is not going to be normal, everyday, happy circumstances. And God, you're saying this is your favor? This is your blessing in my life? Wow, that doesn't seem like favor. So to recap, the very first Christmas is God's favor looks like being pregnant, homeless, unmarried, and giving birth in a manger. That's God's favor. God, if this is your favor on people you like, I mean, what happens to people you don't like? Karina and I were talking about this story a little bit, and she pointed out this verse that I thought was incredibly relevant. It's not up here, but uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and verse 35, it's this when Simeon is prophesying about the baby when they take the baby into the temple. This child is destined to cause the, fall, uh, the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And listen to this. This is what Simeon tells Mary about this baby. And the sword will pierce your own soul too. This is God's favor. Remember, this is, God, I want your blessings in my life. And God's like, okay, here you go. I want your favor in my life. And then life gets immediately quite a bit more difficult for Mary. This is not a simple, easy life. This is very inconvenient. God often does his best work through difficulty in our lives. Now, it's interesting that the Bible translates the word favor in that passage because most places in the scriptures it's translated grace. It's the same word as grace. When you read about grace in the New Testament, it's the same word translated here. And so here's God's grace in your life and your circumstances. The circumstances of your life are immediately getting more difficult. And you're thinking like, God, this is God's grace? Man, I don't know about this. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but in our lives, God's grace often looks exactly like difficulty. In our lives... God's grace often looks exactly like difficulty. And we're kind of wired, whether we think about this too often or not, we're kind of wired for ease. We're kind of wired. We want the easy button. We never go to the store and get in the longest line. Do you do that? That would seem like you were a psycho. Like, I'm going to look for the longest line. No, we rush around trying to find the shortest line. We don't look for the, we don't look to make our lives harder. We don't look to make them more difficult. We don't go buy a car that gets, you know, that is terrible and about to fall apart. We're not looking for difficulty. We're looking for easy. And there's all kinds of examples of this. We don't park the furthest spot from the, par from, from the door at Target. We don't do that. 
Because we want easier. That's just the way we're kind of wired. Most of us head to the escalator, not the stairs. And of course, you always have that one guy that goes to the stairs with his suitcase at the airport and he's taking two at a time. But everybody on the escalator is thinking, that guy's nuts. We are not wired for hardship. We are wired for easy. And we think, God, I want you to bless me. And so therefore, I want you to make my life easier. When we first had children, I don't know why I thought about this when I was, when I was thinking about the sermon. When we first had children, somebody said, are you going to use cloth diapers? No! Are you crazy? That's why we invented the disposable diapers. That's hard. That's difficult. We're not looking to make our lives more difficult. We rarely make choices that make our lives harder. And yet, we seek it Christ who comes along and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to deny yourself. Oh, that doesn't sound easy. I want you to take up your cross. Whoa, hit the brakes there, Jesus. And I want you to follow me. I want you to do things like sacrifice. Mm, nope, that's not easy button stuff. I want you to do things like go the second mile. Like, are you kidding me? Nothing about our relationship with Jesus makes our lives easier. Did you hear that? Because this is something it feels like Christians really struggle with. We feel like, hey, I dedicated my life to God. I follow Jesus, and therefore God should bless me and make my life easier. It should be easier for me to be a Christian than everybody else in the world around me because they're not following Jesus, and that's not true. Jesus actually brings difficulty and hardship and inconvenience into your life. And if we are not prepared for that, when those moments come, we are going to be blown away. We're going to be like, what do I do now? Because we have an opportunity in those moments when Jesus allows difficulty in our lives, hard circumstances, or when the expectations of Christianity are difficult, we have a choice. Are we going to be obedient? Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to continue to follow? Or are we going to settle for some sort of easy brand of Christianity that doesn't really require that much from us? In the book of Job, somebody that God liked, Job's wife is talking to him and saying, Job, your life is awful. It's terrible. You think you're some sort of godly person? It doesn't look like it. And Job's wife tells him to curse God and die. You know, I don't know, sometimes, but in my relationship with with my wife, she's the one I go to when I'm feeling down and I need a little encouragement. Can you imagine, like, honey, I'm just, this has been hard. Life has been hard. And you go to your spouse, like, what should we do? How are we going to get through this? Well, here's what you do. Step one, curse God. Step two, die. And Job responds to her in verse 10 of chapter 2. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Listen, accept trouble from God. God is often allowing it, but God is sometimes causing it. Not only is he saying, and not only is this passage teach us that God's favor is not about an easy life, God is saying that in the midst of hardship, we can see God's grace. But listen, sometimes hardship and struggle are God's grace. It's not just that we see God's grace through hardship and struggle. Listen, church, sometimes struggle and hardship are the grace of God working in your life. Now that is a hard thing to see. And we rarely, if ever, see it. Uh, with foresight. It's always with hindsight, but sometimes not even with hindsight. 
But sometimes struggle and difficulty are the grace of God in your life. And I just want to offer just a couple suggestions that may help us think through this. Just help us at least get a little grasp on this. Because if you're going through difficulty or hardship and you're thinking this is God's grace and I don't know that I want this. I'm not sure that I want this. So what in the world are you talking about that sometimes difficulty and hardship are God's grace? I just want to give you a couple of examples of how God could be working in your life through hardship and through difficulty. Number one. God allows difficulty in our lives. Sometimes God allows difficulty in our lives to protect us. Sometimes God allows difficulty in our lives to protect us. Um, my kids uh, go to, well, here, I want to I show you my daughter's backpack. All right. All right, let me see. I need, uh, Jacob, come here. All right, tell me how heavy you think that backpack is. What do you think? No, 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 no. I would give it to Bill, but I think you have a weight limit restriction, right? I don't know what it is. I mean, like, it, like all right, you want to try it? Tell me how, how heavy you think that is. I know. 50, 55. About 50 pounds? This would, you would have to pay extra to take this on a flight. That's how heavy this thing is. So my daughter, the other day, true story, the other day she's getting ready for school. And she's, you know, ha- not having the greatest morning. And it's not all going well. And she's trying to get like a little thin little notebook. And she's just like jamming it down in there. And I'm like, honey, what are you doing? She goes, I- my backpack's not big enough. And I was I don't think that's the problem. I don't think that's the issue. What do you have in there? She goes, these are all my school books. Like, these are all, like, all- this, is, this is serious stuff. Man, I can't even carry that and talk at the same time. I'm running out of breath. And I'm like, what? You know, she has a struggle with like getting a slip of paper in there. Well, here's the deal. So I'm talking to her, and this is why she has so much stuff in her backpack. She's got a locker at school. She's sixth grader, has a locker at school. But going to the locker at her school is inconvenient. Because she has to go to the locker, get the books she needs for the next class, and then go to the next, goes to the next class. It's inconvenient to go to the locker. And you know what I'm telling her, honey? You know what's inconvenient? Is spinal surgery when you're 30 years old. That's inconvenient, right? You're, take a lesson from your grandpa, right? You don't want that. You want to, it's, it's a little difficult, I get that. It's a little hard to like swing by your locker and get the books that you need. But this is going to ruin your life. This is going to be difficult. you got to let this go and at least make a couple trips to the locker. So this week she did. She was doing that, and we filled it back up just for illustration purposes. She did, and I was like, I was like so how did it go, sweetie? You know how this thing is heavy. It's hurting my, my arm. I need to work out more, I think. But I'm like, how did it go? How was it? How was that? You know, and she was like, it was great. It was great because my back doesn't hurt. My shoulder doesn't hurt. And I'm like, ah, so you see a little inconvenience. A little difficulty saves you from a big difficulty, a big inconvenience. Sometimes God allows and introduces difficulty in our lives to save us, to protect us from something that's going to happen in the future. Learning through hardship now often spares us from heartache later. Learning through hardship now often spares us from heartache later. God allows difficulty in our lives to protect us. When you're a kid, and this is the thing, you cannot 
you cannot see this going forward, right? Because when your parents take you to get shots when you're a kid and that doctor, that nurse is stabbing you in the arm and you're crying and your parents are like, I promise I'll get you a toy, I'll get you ice cream afterwards, just be a brave, you know, little boy. This is, you know, my situation when I was growing up. I'm not sitting there thinking, okay, I'll go through this difficulty now because, hey, in five years I won't get polio. That's not what I'm thinking. It just feels like difficulty. That's all it feels like. I don't see the bigger picture. But God does. The parent does. The parent looks down at the child and says, this small inconvenience, this small difficulty will, will, will uh, spare you. It will prepare you for heartache later. I think it's easier. And, and again, it's not like, I'm not a great parent, but I think it's easier to discipline a child now than bail them out of jail later. Right? It's easier to discipline a child now. God is interested in disciplining us now, and it spares us from making bad choices that will cause much greater heartache later. God allows. He even introduces difficulty into our lives to protect us. Paul was trying to encourage some Christians in the New Testament, and he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. This is the life of a guy who has dedicated himself to the service of Jesus. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And he jumps down later to talk about this is why this, we can get through this. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. God is allowing difficulty and struggle and hardship in our lives as a grace to protect us from what may be coming, to prepare us from what may be coming. We don't talk a lot about mental health at church. Fortunately, we should. It's a big problem, and we shouldn't be so secretive and quiet about it. But my wife struggles. I, we, she said this was okay to talk about, but my wife struggles with anxiety and depression, and she has her life, most of her life. And it's a, it's a struggle. It, it's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. And we were talking about this the other day. And like, why do you think God allows that? And she said, I think it's because I knew I would have a child that struggled with that. And I would be prepared to help that child. I'd be in a place where God's grace allowed me to go through that hardship so that I could turn, in turn, help somebody else. Like, doesn't God just snap his fingers and get rid of it all? I, I don't know. There's no easy answers. But I do want you to know, I do want you to hear that sometimes God allows, sometimes God introduces difficulty in our life as a sign of his grace on you. Can we always see it? No, we can't. We don't know. But we have to understand and trust and have faith that that's what he's doing. God sometimes allows difficulty to protect us. But secondly, God allows difficulty in our lives to transform us. Now, this is probably easier to see a little bit, right? You know how you are. We just learn better through hardship. We just, it, we just learn better when things are difficult, right? We just learn from experience better than we do by being taught. A while back, I mean, this is, might even be a year ago now. I always say a while back, and I don't know the time frame. There were a bunch of uh, guys that I was with, and we went out to dinner, and we went to... Um, this restaurant that is known for hamburgers, but it was around October, and they had on their sign, they said you could order scary hot wings. Scary hot wings. So most of us ordered burgers, but this one guy sitting at the head of the table ordered the scary hot wings. 
And the food was brought to us, and he started eating the scary hot wings. And he played it cool. He didn't really, like, you know, he didn't tell us all the uh, details of the situation. But he ate one, and he put, he put it down, and he says, these are, these are pretty hot. Well, the person sitting next to him, you know, I don't know if this is a guy thing. Don't want to be stereotypical. Maybe it's just a human nature thing. The person sitting next to him is like, oh, whatever, those aren't hot. Pulled the plate over and ate one and said, those are really hot. You should have warned me. Those are very difficult to eat. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, these guys are just being dramatic. That can't be right. And so I pull the plate over and I'm, you know, and there's a little bit on the line now. It's not like you can just, you know, lick a hot wing and just test it. You got to eat the whole thing. These things, I'm not kidding, these things could, should have come with some sort of waiver. The waitress, the server should have come out and said, you need to sign this before you eat these because these taste like a chemical burn is what these taste like. It tastes like eating battery acid. These are ruin your night hot. How is the plate not melted through the table? These are awful. So I'm being a little dramatic, as you can imagine. And the guy next to me is like, whatever, those aren't hot. We had eight guys at the table and seven guys didn't believe the guy in front of them and tried the hot wings and ruined their night. We learn better through experience. We got to one last guy, and I don't know what his stomach is made of. I don't know what his palate is made of, but there's something inhuman about him. And he was just sitting there eating them like it was no big deal. And uh, we were just looking at him, looking for beads of sweat to form on his brow, looking for him to like need that gallon of milk, and it was just no big deal. Like There's something wrong with you, man. There is something wrong. It's just like we couldn't, we couldn't admit, we couldn't learn from the person in front of us. And that is so, such human nature, right? I mean, all the lessons that humans have to learn have been experienced by somebody and a book has been written about it, but we still do not learn from the person ahead of us. We have to learn through experience for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And this is why when you're trying to find a job, you know how that goes and, and you're starting off in your career, starting off in your field, and every job you apply for say they need two years of experience. Well, what are they saying? They're saying there are some things that you cannot learn in a textbook. There are some things that have to be learned by actually doing them. And so God, in his grace, allows and introduces difficulty in our lives to form us. There are some things, there, certain aspects of our faith cannot be formed outside of difficulty. Certain aspects of our character cannot be formed outside of difficulty. We just cannot, we cannot learn those lessons outside of, a, of difficulty in our lives. I wish we could. But God is a good father and he knows that we can't. Now don't hear me say that everything that you're going through is introduced by God, but everything that you're going through can be used by God. It can be used by God to develop you, to develop your trust, to develop your faith in him. Maybe God is allowing difficulty in our lives to transform us. And this is why we read verses in the Bible like James chapter 1, verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face various trials. I mean, that seems crazy, except for the fact, unless someone is seeing the bigger picture and saying, hey, maybe this difficulty has an impact on my life in a way that I'm just not understanding. Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And he says this, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. None of this happens without trial. None of this happens without trial. Maybe in difficulty and hardship, our first instinct shouldn't be, God, get me out of this. But God, what can I learn? Because what we see as a problem, what we see as a pain, God sees as a process. 
And if you don't hear anything else this morning, I, I know it's a cliche for preachers to say, but I want you to hear this. What we see as a problem, what we see as a pain, God sees as just a part of the process of transforming us into the image of his son. And that is God's grace in action. It's God's grace in action. You know, but when we come to those moments, it's hard. It's hard to be faithful, to be obedient, to trust, to be joyful in trial. It's hard. To remain on mission is hard. It's difficult. But God often does um, his best work through hardship. He just does. He said it over and over and over again in Scripture. All the people God loved in Scripture, David, Moses, all of them, all of them went through hard circumstances, hard lives. These are people God loved. In Mary's story, we have the advantage of seeing the bigger picture. We have the advantage of knowing that at the end of this story, Jesus is on the cross. But if you're Mary and you're going through this difficult life, I mean, what happened to Joseph? The Bible just doesn't say. We don't know. Did he die? What happened? And at the end of Jesus' life, Mary is at the foot of the cross looking at her son hanging on the cross. You can imagine that Mary's thinking like, is this favor still? Is this still your blessing, God? Is this still your favor? Just not being sure of what God is doing in this moment? We have the advantage of 2,000 years of hindsight to see that God is saving the world in that moment. But I wonder if Mary ever felt like, whew, I don't know. This is kind of hard. You're saying, I have been favored, I've been blessed, but this is kind of difficult. What we do learn at at the end of uh, Jesus' birth when the shepherds uh, visit Mary, we learn that she says she pondered these things. She treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And I don't know exactly what that means. I like to think that it just means that she kind of had a sense of the bigger picture. And that helped her get through a lot of the difficulty that she was going to experience in life. But we just, what we have to know, we may not know what the big picture is, but we have to know that God has one. We have to know that there's a bigger picture. And so what we decided to do throughout this uh, series is we decided to move communion time to the end because we wanted a chance to reflect through the sermon on what was happening at communion. Because communion, we're saying it's a blessing. We're saying it's a celebration, but what we're celebrating is someone dying on the cross. It doesn't lo- it looks like difficulty, but in the difficulty of the cross, God is doing his best work. In the difficulty of your lives, God is often doing his best work. So what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to we're going to pray. I'm going to pray and I'm going to have the the guys pass the communion and then I'm going to pray again. Um, but I want you to just to think about the difficulty in your life, to think about the hardship in your life. And listen, some of it, I should say this, some of it is self-imposed difficulty. You know what I mean? There's still lessons to learn. There's still God's grace to be seen, even if it's self-imposed, even if it's self-imposed hardship. I made some bad choices and my life is not going the direction I wanted because of things that I did. God can still use that to reveal his grace, just like God did through the cross, through some bad choices people made to put Jesus on the cross. God still reveals his grace. I'm going to pray and ask the men to pass. Father in heaven, Lord, we are grateful to be able to think through what it means to be blessed by you, Lord, and help us get it out of our minds that being blessed always means that life becomes easier. Lord, help us to understand that sometimes life becomes more difficult. Lord, we pray that as we think through what this means, we would think through our own lives, we'd think through our own choices, our own mistakes, or just the circumstances of life that have been imposed upon us, and we just pray that we would see your grace through those things, just like in the cross we see your grace in Christ. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.